This is episode number 206. How can I be more present, open, and loving to the moment? With Tildit Vernon. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. The first one being an invitation to our upcoming call called Courageous Conversations. This is a call that we started approximately a year and a half ago with the intention of bringing our community even closer as well as creating a space for each and every single one of us to better understand our own individual journeys. If you would like to know more details about any of these upcoming calls, as well as the one this coming weekend, please send us a message through our website at overcomingodds.today to which we'll respond to you with all the details. The second announcement that I would like to make is this. If you've enjoyed any of our previous episodes, or if this is your first time tuning in, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google, so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Tildit, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be here, Oleg. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of it. And I guess the other thing that I, the other person I have to thank is Scott Mason for making the introduction. Yes. um, I wouldn't even know where to start, to be honest with you, in describing who Scott is. Just an exceptional human being who's always, at least in my experience, has always been willing to connect, show up as who he is, and just really a terrific friend at the end of the day. I, I agree. Dido to all that. <laughs> <laughs> he's, yeah, he's, he's quite, quite, the, quite the person, quite yes. the person to connect with. How did yes. the two of you connect? We both belong, well, we belong to the same networking at some point, but then I am the chair of National Speakers Association, membership chair of National Speakers Association NYC chapter, and he wanted to become a member, and we started the conversation, and we immediately connected, and I immediately saw the special person that he is and the wonderful heart that he has. And it was like an immediate connection. And that's how we started our conversations. And I think there is something beautiful also to acknowledge about that. And that's his presence. Mm. You know, how he chooses to show up like for the moment or the conversation. Yes. Yes. And it's a very unique thing to experience. And I know it's a topic that you and I were going to discuss today as well. Like, what does it actually mean to be present? Mm. Um, My experience thus far has taught me that the way that presence is described compared to the presence that I experience are very, very different. Mm -hmm. I think part of that has to do due to the fact that I live in an environment where there's constant go, go, go Mm -hmm. mentality. There's Mm -hmm. more focus on the future Mm -hmm. than more than the focus on the now. There's some focus on the, on the past. Mm-hmm. But very rarely is it looking at it through the lens of what did it teach me? Mm. 
And so I'm curious to, uh, well, on many different levels to have this conversation, but I'm curious to hear from your perspective, have you had similar experiences when it comes to being present? And if so, like what changed for you? Yes. Well, it is a work in progress, right? And <laughs> Just like everything else across the board in life. Exactly. Is. And if I said I have arrived, I would be the biggest liar. <laughs> <laughs> if I said I have glimpses of it, that is the truth. I have glimpses of it. And it is something I am constantly working on and, and, and consistently and deliberately, intentionally each day. Sometimes I miss it. Sometimes I gain it. But if we don't have practices such as meditation, such as mindfulness, we would never, I, 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 do, I think it will be a lot more challenging to be present because I agree with you. We live in an environment, in a society where doing has become everything. And yeah. we even compare our to-do list. Oh, mine is longer than you. And if you saw mine and you saw, and it becomes like our trophy is our to-do list. The bigger it is, the more checks we have in it, the better we feel. Mm -hmm. But is that really life? And, you know, we need to also allow the being because what fuels the doing would be the being, but mm -hmm. that's not taught. So reflection, meditation, mindfulness allow us to be. And why is that important? It's important to me, it is important. And from teaching all these mindfulness and meditation and stress mastery over the years, what happens is we have everything within us, the wisdom, the creativity, the strength, whatever we're looking for. And if we can just take the time to connect to that, we will be more innovative and would be more ourselves the authentic self that nobody else can duplicate. Mm -hmm. Where yes. do you think that comes from? Where do you think the notion of you don't have those tools within you really comes mm -hmm. from and that you have to look elsewhere and yes. depend on someone else's method or someone else mm -hmm. to be able to find those things that I believe I'm in the same exact boat. Like mm -hmm. I genuinely do believe that all of the answers are within and the external people just happen to be like reflections or yes. confirmations that, okay, if I'm seeking courage and the other person appears to be courageous, mm -hmm. I choose to look at them and use them as an example of what I can yes. tap into. Yes, which is great. And, and what you focus on expands, right? So as you focus on their courage, the courage within you is expanding. So everything is in present to us, how we perceive things and how we act on things may differ. So I think along the way, you know, there's that uh, fable. I don't know if you know about it. I will, I, I won't do due diligence to it, but I will say it anyway. They start, <laughs> the, I, I, if I knew we were going there, I would have checked, it, but that's it. We're having a conversation, right? So they, they made a school for the animals 
they invited the rabbit, they invited the duck, they invited all the animals. And the animals came and the rabbit was the runner. The rabbit was running so beautifully. It will just go sprint. And the duck swam incredibly well. But then they said to the duck, you are going to run like the rabbit. And they said to the rabbit, you're going to swim like the duck. But they didn't have what it took to be a runner or a swimmer. So duck in de desperation to show off and to feel appreciated, approved, loved, tried running. But after a while, the webs on the feet started hurting. So the duck no longer was able to swim even the way she used to swim. Mm -hmm. So I think the lesson from that is we are put into an environment of competition, into environments of molding. You have to show up this way and this is good for you and this is that for you. And we're not taught from an early age that there's magnificence within each one of us. We each have unique gifts. We each have unique gifts to give to ourselves and to the world and they differ and that diversity that variety is the beauty of life now when i cannot run like you i start comparing myself to you and i start feeling i'm not good enough and now that starts showing up and also of course all the media and everything saying if you had this house you would be happy. And if you had the dog, you would be happier. And if you drove this car, and if you had this, and if you had that, and we're constantly, I need to have that, I need to have that, I need to have that, I need to have that. So every power goes outside of ourselves. It's a conditioning, right? Till, till something happens, a wake up call, it could be a crisis, it could be an influence, it could be someone inspiring we watch, we start seeing maybe something is different. And it is the different consciousness levels that create that. So we can change that by saying, hey, you're wonderful, Oleg. The way you do your interviews, nobody else can do that that way. Now you start trusting and say, I am enough. But if they say, oh, I know, how are you going to do it? Are you going to do it like so-and-so or so-and-so or so-and-so? And then you're going to say, oh, shall I do it like that? Or shall I do it like this? So how do we go back trusting and who we are, trusting that we are enough? There are different ways to start that. Mm -hmm. First is that something needs to wake up to see that, hmm, that's possible. And some people are there and some people are not there. That doesn't mean they're less or more. It just means they're not ready yet. Mm -hmm. And when they're ready, there are a lot of practices to do, a lot of things to do. And do we have self-doubt? Yes. With all the training that I'm doing, if I said to you, oh, I never have self-doubt. Hmm. I trust myself and I am enough. No. Because we're human beings, because everything serves. The self-doubt serves, so does the confidence. The, and, and if we can start, but what is important is to know at that moment 
what do I need right now? What is the message here? If I have the self-doubt, what is my self-doubt telling me? And if I have the confidence, what's the confidence telling me? So we don't put ourselves or others in a pedestal or in a pit, but in the heart of each other. So do you think to a degree everything is there to serve you then? Yes, I do believe everything is there to serve you. And this is a very challenging phrase because you, you could say to me, how could child trafficking serve you? How mm -hmm. could cancer serve you? How could, you know, there's a lot of things happening in the world. How could that serve you? Yet, if we can look at it, like you said, when I look uh, for courage and I find it in someone, I, I focus on that. And we can really look at, on the quantum level, right? And maybe this will be an easier way to explain it. We, do we dove right in. <laughs> I hope this is making sense, but I will. You know, in the, on the quantum level, the plus and the minus exist simultaneously together. Mm -hmm. Even if you separated them, they affect each other. So at any given moment, there's plus and minus. That's the full equation. Whenever we don't see the full equation, we will be charged by an emotion to call us back to the present moment. So when we can come back, we can see, if we can see the plus and the minus simultaneously, we're in our hearts. So if something is happening to me, like if I'm not feeling well or I'm diagnosed with an illness, if I can't come up, how is this serving me? And if we can start seeing ways that it's serving us, we'll heal from it a lot faster because we're not going to have, a, we, we're not going to have one-sided perception, but we are so trained to live happily ever after, to have ease all the time, to have immediate gratification. It's hard for us to accept the perceived negative. Mm -hmm. Yet they all, I believe they all serve us, but it is a training of the mind also to get there. It's not so easy just because I say to you, hey, you know, find the benefit in here, you may not be able to. Mm -hmm. But if I took you over certain exercises and helped you, you will start seeing that. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm on 100% with you. I think the thing that I've actually learned throughout my experience is reframing as a practice mm -hmm. is a very interesting exercise. But I also believe it's a double edged sword. Mm hmm. Because I don't think everything needs to be reframed, especially when it, this is the one thing that I've heard. I'm sure you've heard of this as well, as many as many of the people that are listening. And that is whenever you hear a ne negative experience or you experience something that is perceived to be negative, mm -hmm. the very first thing that I oftentimes would hear was change that, like mm. get over it. Mm. When the reality, reality of the matter was by choosing to sit in it, that was the thing that created the space and the opportunity for me to see something differently. Yes. It wasn't about 
finding that quick switch and go from negative to positive. And that's something that you pointed that really stood out to me as far as so much of the perception, at least in my opinion, has been built around the positive and not really embracing the negative or embracing the negative from kind of dark side. I'm going to shy away. I'm not really going to tap into it. Yes. But rather it can also serve you like anger. I mean, really Mm -hmm. think about that. Anger for me has been one of the biggest sources of inspiration Mm. because within it, there's this form of energy Mm -hmm. that like puts me into action. Yes. Uh, You're saying such profound thing and it's so important for everyone to hear that. Yes. Leaning into every emotion and sitting with it. Not, oh, I don't want this. And, And because what we run away from, we run into Mm. what we bury buries us till we have the courage to look at it in the face or to sit with it or to lean into it and that's another almost societal addiction that we have oh you know i should always be good i should always be successful and happy and confident where all those emotions, like you said, anger, sadness, disappointment, they're all serving us. It's a messenger. And anger has, if it is channeled in the right way, you have all that energy coming through and you can funnel it to get things done, to stand up for yourself, to speak up, to, you know, to put boundaries, to let others know what your rules are. There's so much in it. It's fuel. It's fuel. It can be, but mm-hmm. it can also be fuel to hurt others and to mm-hmm. burn others. And, and so it is, but like you said, if you're aware of it and you know how to sit in it, lean into it and know that it's a messenger, it's just a messenger. And it's an energy that if you recognize within you and you learn how to funnel it in the right direction, it can get you to where you need to go. It's all, to me, all emotions perceived good or bad, uh, positive or negative are messengers. They're constantly telling us where we are so we can redirect or continue. Mm -hmm. How do you recognize each one? How do you create a space for an emotion? Yeah, that is also a very good question, Oleg, because... One of the things is, you know, we don't allow the emotions, you know, especially men, boys or whatever, male, you know, be strong, don't cry uh, or calm down, don't scream. And all that we start numbing our emotions. But when we numb ourselves to the negative, we numb ourselves to the positive. So and some people don't even cannot even name the feeling. They, they have numbed themselves so much, they don't know what they're feeling. So it is a matter of creating a safe space, whether with a friend, whether with a coach, whether with a therapist, whether with a group, whether with a family member that you trust, that where you allow yourself or they help you name your feelings and they start introducing you to say, hmm, how does that feel? What are you feeling right now? And, and then 
maybe guiding them or reading about what is anger, what is disappointment, what is loneliness, what is self-doubt, and, 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 and naming it for ourselves and allowing ourselves to feel that. And one of the exercises I, I do with my clients so that they can start reconnecting to their feelings because happiness is easier than anger to connect to, right? Sure. So I, I ask them to write 50 things that make them happy. So for some people, it comes very easy. They can just write it. For some people, they can only come up with three things, but they are not recognizing even the feeling. So then they start recognizing, oh, Finding a parking spot feels good, makes me happy. Oh, this tea right now, the warmth of it and the way it smells makes me happy. I heard uh, my friend laughing next door and oh, that made me feel happy. So now they start focusing on the happiness. There are different reasons I'm doing that exercise because I'm having them focus on happiness so they feel happier, but I'm also allowing them to start feeling something that they may not have been feeling and they're waiting for this big thing to happen to feel joy, but in each moment, there is the joy opportunity. Mm -hmm. And that starts allowing them, it creates a safe place for them to start allowing other feelings to come in as well. And the most important part, of course, is letting go of judgment and criticism and, and cultivating compassion for self and others that will also create that safe space so we can start naming those feelings. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, the other thing that I was going to ask you was, do you, do you choose to recognize it and name it as it is? So anger, joy, or the other technique that I've heard is people will actually give it a different name, like Kara or Sarah just walked into my room. Like, what's the thinking behind that? Is it yeah. more easily um, recognizable when you choose to put a human name behind yes. it rather than acknowledging yes. that this is when fear, you, self-doubt? Yes. When you personify the emotion, sometimes it's e easier to deal with it because you're not dealing with yourself, right? Mm. So there are different ways to go. There's so many different techniques and methods to go about it. And this is where one needs to trust themselves. And there's many methods that we can talk and others are talking. So I always say, Allow everything to filter through your heart. You know what works for you. If you feel naming the emotion will help you, name it. If you feel you need to personify the emotion, try, experience, and that's the only way you can tell. Just because I said so, it's not so. Because you're unique. You have your own genetic disposition, the way your beliefs are may be different than mine. Your experience of life is different. So experience, put it into practice and see, oh, this worked. This didn't work. But that is also empowering ourselves rather than giving power. Tildet said so. So Tildet knows. Tildet doesn't know anything. 
Tilde just knows what works for Tilde, and she studied. She done a lot of things, but again, if I'm saying it to you, it is the person's responsibility to say, "Does this resonate, or this doesn't?" And if it resonates, practice and see the experience, and the experience will show you if it's working or not. When did this change for you? When did the whole concept of choosing to take on other people's responsibility to change? Hmm. Like, was there a time? Because I'm the only reason why I bring that up is because there were times throughout my life when I used to do that. Uh, I wanted yes. people to change. I want them to speak this way, do this this way, and then just I realized that it was a never-ending battle. It was an impossible mission that I was embarking on yes. because whatever perceived to be a problem for me was not a problem for them. Yeah, so beautifully said. Yes. And we all had those moments where we mm -hmm. wanted others to change, right? For me, I think my awakening to life really happened when I was 15 years old. And I was in a nearly fatal car accident. And I fractured my neck. And I was in the hospital on the stretcher. And, and my parents were you know, being taken care of because they were in the same car and they could not be there to support me. And I heard the doctors going, she may never walk again. And you can imagine how devastating that could be to a 15-year-old. And, and at that moment, something inside of me like woke up saying, you don't have to believe them. You can do this. Just believe that you can walk. But I had nothing to support that. Mm -hmm. But something inside of me started saying that. So instead of waiting for them, I made that decision. And I don't know if this happens for everyone or not. But that is a little bit, it started changing me. And of course, I had the surgery and I had uh, months of physical therapy and occupational therapy and all kinds of things. And I started walking again and I was a little bit more understanding of my own power because I was born in Turkey and you didn't have the self-help books or my parents didn't know to get me the therapist to get me over the trauma or what to do. I had to dig in inside myself, if you will. But did that, that take it away totally that I said, oh, now I, no, I wanted things to be differently. I wanted people to be differently. Then, of course, life started happening. And as life was happening, I started seeing that I could wait for others to change all my life. And is that what I want? Or do I want to change. And I love, and I had read at that, at that time, I think Wayne Dyer says, when you change, everything around you changes. Yep. And that really stuck to me. And I was like, okay, I'm asking my mother to change, my brother to change, my spouse to change, my, the teacher to change, the client to change. And what happens if I change? And it took, of course, it doesn't happen overnight. Hmm. It, is, it is something I'm still working, but I'm getting better at it. 
and uh, and with practice it does get better and uh, now you're empowered you get out of that victim consciousness right mm -hmm. things are happening to me is the first level of consciousness from Michael Beckwith. I don't know if you're familiar mm -hmm. with his four levels of consciousness, right? He, uh, the first level is things are happening to me. The second level is things are happening for me. Things are happening through me. Things are happening as me. And we may be cycling through those consciousness or stuck in a couple of them. But when we are in that and that is maybe one sign when we are thinking, this is happening to me. This person is yelling at me, to me. That means I'm in the victim consciousness. How can I change that? How can I look at this? And this is happening for me, for me to grow up, for me to tap into what I need, or for me to ask for help. You know, sometimes maybe we need the resources outside to help us. Also, it's not... It's not only, yes, within we have a lot, but if we can connect to that, then we can also ask for that need to be met and supported. Where do you think most people, whatever that number looks like, operate from when it comes to those levels of consciousness? I am not sure. I'm not an expert on that. But from what I've heard from Michael Beckwith, Mm -hmm. is that most people are stuck in level one and two. And I think through meditation, I feel that there are times I do glimpse into consciousness level four. I don't, you know, to stay there is pretty hard for me. Is that because the environment doesn't support that? Yeah. I, I guess so. And also the conditioning, right? For so many years, I've learned something and the environment is, I think the environment has a lot to do with it. I agree with you. Because if everyone believed we are all connected and my actions are impacting you, your actions are impacting me, we may act differently, think differently. Mm -hmm. But if we have this thing, you are separate, I'm separate, I'm going to protect me and you're going to protect you. And hey, don't come here because we're different. Then we're going to behave and show up in life differently. And I think that is, again, goes back to who we surround ourselves makes such a big impact I think that really changed my life. When you have people that lovingly support you, and that doesn't mean that they give you feedback, plus or minus, but lovingly, and they influence you to grow and to be there, it makes a huge difference than someone constantly telling you you're not good enough and what you did is wrong and you could do better. And then you know, you start going into that victim consciousness because ultimately as human beings, we all have the needs of to be loved, to be appreciated, to be approved, to be accepted. That is the, the most important thing that the brain is seeking mm -hmm. to get. So if not everything becomes a threat, so how can we go into this 
from our really brings, I think I'm thinking that it brings me from our reptile lizard brain of safety into our prefrontal lobes of creativity, of wisdom, of, of, of higher consciousness. How are we going to connect there when we are threatened? So it needs a safety. If the safety needs are met, we are more ready to tap into that is what I'm thinking. Do you think the environment portion? So this is something that I've been thinking about. I'm a mm. huge believer that I think everything comes into my life as chapters. Mm. So the people in my environment now may not be the people in my environment five years down the road, or even tomorrow. I mean, mm. let's be realistic tomorrow or next month. And I think the reason for that is because the things that I'm constantly seeking right now are the things that I'm attracting. Mm -hmm. And because change is inevitable, mm -hmm. and if I'm going to travel within this journey, and those things will shift. So whatever I'm seeking today may not be the same thing that I'm seeking tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the environment changes. Mm -hmm. How do you approach that? Like, how do you personally approach that knowing that your environment may change? Is there like, yeah. what is what does the backbone of it become? that's that is a million dollar question <laughs> that's a million dollar question i'll uh, i can only share my experience as i'm right. working towards that it's really trusting the moment being open in the moment and knowing that each moment will show you your next moment instead mm. of trying to plan i'm gonna be with so and so and so and so and so and so well, instead of that, I'm here with so-and-so, I'll show up. I'm here in this moment with Oleg. I don't care anyone else. I'm here, I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna learn from him. I'm going to share with him. I'm going to grow with him. Whether I'll see you down the road, I won't, it doesn't matter. But right now there's an exchange. Right now there's a connection. And if I can't trust that, I don't have an attachment. Oh, I have to talk to Oleg again. If not, I cannot do this. Versus I can do this because everyone is supporting me to my next level and my mm. next level and my next level. And that is, I think, how I'm seeking it and, and, and trusting my own wisdom expanding my own self-knowledge expanding and my compassion expanding that I can connect to myself and know my needs and hopefully have the courage to say yes and no wherever it's appropriate. I'm still struggling at times with, with that because I do have that tendency of pleasing everyone, helping everyone. I want to help the whole world. And sometimes I can forget myself in helping the whole world. Mm -hmm. And it may not be serving me. I, and maybe not serving others either, right? Mm -hmm. How do I find that balance is, I think, constant reflection. For me, it's constant reflection of how did I do today? What went right? What could improve? What am I celebrating? What am I challenged with? And who do I want to hang out with that can give me that? Mm -hmm. 
Another loaded question here coming up. But <laughs> oh. consi- considering that attachment sounds like is something that's constantly evolving and changing, what does love, trust, and some of these other things that do depend on elements of attachment look like then for you? Yes. So love meaning in an intimate relationship or love meaning uh, mm-hmm. in an intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. So I feel I feel blessed right now. I'm with a life partner um, with an eight for eight years. And we are going to do uh, create the love you want <laughs> together because we're feeling that we are creating the love we want. And that again goes back to in the intimate relationships of hearing each other, respecting each other, giving each other room, space to be themselves. And for me, it also has been not taking things personally. And and in that, now the trust grows, the connection grows, and and communication is vital. Mm -hmm. Our ability to communicate to each other. In overall, if it's not intimacy, how I define love is something I learned from Dr. DiMartini. And that changed my life. I think that this was about 20 years ago. Um, he defines love as the synchronicity and the synthesis of two opposite complementary emotions the synchronicity and synthesis of two opposite complementary emotions, which goes back to to that quantum thing. At any given moment, if I can see bad and good simultaneously exist, up and down exist, then I'm in my heart. And when I'm in my heart, I'm open to the moment and I'm present. And that is love. That's fascinating. Mm. What was the person's name? Dr. DiMartini, John DiMartini. He's fantastic. He does uh, a lot of breakthrough experiences. And uh, I, uh, I, became, I, I was trained as a facilitator. After uh, going through some of his training, I found it f- fascinating. And it truly changed my life in terms of aligning what I do to my own values understanding hierarchy of values within myself with others so that I can have that value-driven communication so we can hear each other Mm -hmm. and so it really helped me a lot to see things differently so love can mean so many things in so many different ways but I think that's how I would share it that's amazing Tilda, what's the best way that people can connect with you? Do you have anything yes. that's coming up as any of your works or projects that people can yes. be a part of? I um, I have, they can always go to my website, www.tildet.com, T-I-L-D-E-T. And all the events are there. Everything that I do is there. And I do a lot of master your stress and build your resilience Um 
classes, courses. In fact, if they go, there's a growth store and in the growth store on my website, they can get many things for free that they can try. And I also have Transform Your Stress into Success ebook that's for free. So this way they can start, you know, going on the journey and seeing if this is something that they want to continue with. That's amazing. We'll make sure to include all the different links that people can connect with you um, as we, Thank as we you. put this out. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, please cons- consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next week.